0: It's time to
1: talk with Liz and Peter. Good morning, my love.
0: Good morning, my love. How you doing? Woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't sleep anymore. So I've been up since approximately 2.30 a.m. Just doing things. Got hit with another wind of tiredness around 5.30. But I've just been up. So woke you up and here we are. So I'm just enjoying this coffee right now some artificial energy as if I slept.
1: want to let everybody out there know that the reason Liz could not go to sleep is because we have a small short-haired cat and since it's getting cold he likes to jump up and get in between us and snuggle in because it's warm and sleep there but it also makes it impossible to not disturb him if you want to rearrange the covers or change positions very well or things like that. So basically, Liz got kicked out of the bed last night by a eight-pound cat.
0: He's precious, and he should not be disturbed.
1: <laughs> that might be an episode unto itself, but for today, I have two things that I want to read with you and talk about, and then I want to ask you a question. Okay. All right, so we'll post these on social media so you guys can see them. The first thing that I want to read is a meme, which is basically how we tell each other news these days, is by memes. The text says, After needing 13 liters of blood for a surgery at the age of 13, James Harrison pledged to donate blood once he turned 18. After discovering that his blood contained a rare antigen, which cures rhesus disease, James Harrison, for six decades, donated his blood and saved the lives of over 2.4 million babies. Badass.
0: Badass and beautiful.
1: Yeah, just, uh, what, like, every few days going, getting stuck, getting I can't drained. I can imagine Just insert a like one of those portals at some ports or whatever they call them. You know where it's like if you know you're gonna be stuck with needles a whole bunch, how they just put a thing in you that makes it easier. Have you never been in the hospital like that? It's kind of like an IV, but
0: oh yeah, I know what you're talking about.
1: Permanent, you know? Yeah, where
0: it just sits in your arm and then they in your arm or your side or something like that. Insert the the thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I got you.
1: Yeah. If I was that guy, I'd probably just invest in one of those instead of getting stuck over and over and over again. Or you know what? Since I'm saving 2.4 million babies, the government should fucking pay me for that. If only. If he was a good capitalist, he would have figured out a way to patent his blood and then just sold it to those 2.4 million babies' children. God. I'm just saying he missed out on a business opportunity. Oh, jeez. Albeit a ghoulish business opportunity.
0: Fair. Okay, let's move on to the next one.
1: Okay, next one, next one.
0: This one's a little bit longer, but we'll read it. Mm
1: -hmm. Do you want to read it? You want me to read it? You read it. Okay, the top picture is of a Japanese man. When the March 2011 tsunami hit his hometown of Ishinomaki, Hideki Akiwa was at work. Realizing his wife was trapped in their home, he ignored the advice of professionals who told him to wait for the army to arrive and provide search and rescue. Instead, he found a wetsuit, jumped in the raging torrent, dodging cars, houses, and other debris being dragged around by the powerful current, any of which could have killed him instantly, and navigated the now-submerged streets in pitch dark, freezing water, until he found his house. Swimming inside, he discovered his wife alive on the upper level, with only a small amount of breathing room, and pulled her to safety. If he had waited for the army, his wife of 20 years would be dead. And if that's not enough badassery for one lifetime, Hideki realized his mother was also unaccounted for, so he jumped back in the water and managed to save her life also. For weeks after the disaster, Hideki entered the water every day on a one-man search and rescue mission, saving countless lives and proving that two natural disasters in a single day and insurmountable odds can't stand in the way of love. This man is a hero. Hell yeah, he is.
0: That story is really powerful and brought tears to both of our eyes.
1: How often do you see purely selfless acts anymore?
0: Even beyond that, what it made me think of was We hear people dying in natural disasters or large events regularly, whether it's car accident killing five people on the highway, tornado killing this many people in a community. It's just like... What,
1: lack of affordable health care killing 60,000 Americans every year with preventable diseases.
0: Right. And when I hear this, you know, it's just news it happens daily they're just words and numbers honestly for me like i don't respond inside very much yeah i mean how, how can you without you know it's kind of hard to respond inside without knowing the stories of the people but stories like this one remind me that every single one of those people that die in these disasters or events means the world to someone mm-hmm. and that stops me in my tracks that sense that Five dead on the side of the highway. That's five people, who are completely shook that day because they've lost someone. That means everything to them. Oh, more than
1: five people. You know, if you if you think about it, all those people had at least I'm, two parents.
0: Well, I'm thinking of just one person per person, at least. You know, mm-hmm. like, just the shock wave of one one lost life, is incredible. Mm-hmm. And when I think of how many people in mass die in large-scale disasters or events it just rocks me in a way that it just makes my heart hurt really bad yeah because I think of how I would feel if those closest to me like I'm thinking about you right now if you were to unexpectedly pass I'm not quite sure how I would go on in the short term or if I would if I would be functional in the short term for several months Or if life would kind of stop for a while for me, you know, I would eventually have to go on, but I'm not quite sure what life would look like for Mm -hmm. several months. And just knowing that that type of loss, grief, rage, sadness, hopelessness, despair, resignment, just that whirlwind of emotions exists for this network of people that all love one person just really touches me. It makes me want to cry. But like I said, it's stories like this one that remind me of that. When I just hear about people dying, I don't get that that impact, you know? So it really does take that personal...
1: Yeah, there's that, uh, that old quote. I think it's Joseph Stalin that said, one man's death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. Uh-huh. Something like that. Just talking about the depersonalization of that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like we can't really conceptualize that many individual people it's kind of hard to imagine and it's all there's a word for it It, you know sometimes you'll see it online those rare words that mean this really rare feeling that people have sometimes I don't know if I'm making sense but that feeling you get when the when you realize that people you see on the street or walking around in life have just as as deep of a life story and as complex of feelings and perceptions as you have Mm -hmm. you know that feeling oh yeah that's how i feel when i read stories like this i'm like oh my gosh these aren't just random people these are people with lives and loves and tragedies and traumas and experiences and it's it's i don't know
1: Mm -hmm. Those were the first two things that I wanted to read this morning, actually the only two things that I wanted to read this morning, and then I wanted to ask you, since those were kind of inspirational, like lift you up types of stories, can you, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, tell me about someone, whether you've met them in real life or if they're just someone that you've, you know, known from afar, that inspires you in any way?
0: Yeah. I could immediately think of two people. And it's the same two people that I've always answered this question with. First, my mom. And I know it's a really common answer, but it's the honest answer. I think she is an exceptional woman. My mom... You can't talk about my mom without talking about her story, which I'll keep short. But she was raised in... She grew up and was raised in Kenya uh, in a, in poverty, in a very, very impoverished situation. And with the help of a sponsor, she was able to go to nursing school in Ireland. And from Ireland, she came to the United States to work in a hospital. And from the time she got to the United States, she started sending money home back to Kenya to support her family, to put her younger siblings through school because she was the oldest, and to take care and support her parents. So from a very early age, she was, like, supporting this entire extended family and raising them out of poverty. And so she came to the United States as an immigrant and built a, with, um, a co-owner co built a home health agency and that was successful. And when the co-owner totally fucked her over and, like, destroyed their business, essentially, um... My mom went through a period of depression, like a short, like probably like eight months of just being really down. And then she was in her fifties and she built a business back up. She built a second home health agency. She started over in her like late, late fifties. And it took years where she had a business partner, but she was, you know, she was an older, getting older and hadn't done the home health visits herself in several years cuz she'd been a business owner but she was older in her 50s and like going out to her patients' homes and being the one to take care of all the patients because she couldn't afford to pay nurses yet and she did this for a long time until her business grew enough to afford to be able to afford nurses and so now that business her business her second business is doing really really well and she's just definition of resilience to me growing up she was also experienced domestic violence at the hands of my father and watching her be verbally abused on a regular basis and like deal with an alcoholic husband and still take care of three small children basically on her own and provide a stable home for us and like a structured home and take us to all of our activities and make sure that we had everything we always needed. Doing all that by herself and still going to work every day and running a business. And no lie, she also dressed to the nines every day. She looks incredible every single day. This woman is the definition of resilience and strength to me. And she knows it. I tell her all the time. On top of that, I mean, I could talk about my mom forever, but, like, the last thing is she is the type of person who just wakes up every day and gets shit done. Like, I... Tend to get in my feelings, and I do what I feel like doing. If I don't feel like certain things that day, I might not get certain things done. But she just wakes up and every day has her routine and just gets shit done. And she's a boss. And I just really, obviously admire her. The second person is just Lady Gaga. Like, I love that bitch. I (laughs) did not see that coming. Love Lady Gaga. I always have, and I always will. I love everything she stands for. If you don't know what she stands for, look it up. Just so inclusive. She's a fucking icon. Just everything she stands for with her fans, accepting who you are. She really identify, I identify with like her and her fans as being outsiders in a lot of ways of mainstream culture and mainstream ways of doing things. And I I just love that. So it's been Lady Gaga and my mom since like high school. A
1: lot of variety there.
0: Yeah, they're both strong women to me. I just, I just love them.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I was going to, rather, my first inclination was to talk about my grandfather, but also, you know, that's kind of cliche.
0: Like, mom isn't cliche?
1: Well, no, you I, I feel like you got enough cliche in this episode, and I don't want to over-cliche the episode. Oh, okay. But, like, TLDR on grandpa, widower when my dad was 13, raised three kids for a while before getting married, carpenter, ran his own shop, I think. Uh, World War II vet was on the Arizona. That's the one that sank it, per- or one of the ones that sank at Pearl Harbor. Yeah, so you know that that whole thing that could be a whole episode unto itself. But then I started thinking more about who have been the most impactful people in my life, other than my family. And it's been a lot of coaches, basketball coaches, baseball coaches. I, I can think of them all right now. John, Jerry, Coach Munoz, just like real strong. But kind, compassionate, family-minded guys, you know, great examples, kind of stand-in father figures at some points. But I think the most impactful one was basically of <laughs> I don't know, a journalism coach, you know, because I, I, I hesitate to say teacher because it was so much more than that. It was more than just learning to write, just learning to, you know, do grammar and that sort of thing. Susan like her her nickname is Co. She's still teaching. 15 years after, or how many, 13 years after I graduated, 14 years, um, man, time flies, but yeah, she, I still use things that she taught me every day, yeah, spent a lot of nights in the journalism room, sleeping on the floor in the back room, which she was not, (laughs) publicly she was not cool with that privately she was like you do what you guys need to do um and i just yeah love that woman great person Mm. yeah
0: that's beautiful
1: thank you for sharing thank you for sharing